Locale. Local. Shock. Local. Cambiamento. Tahir. Gergelecta. Sakula Ijaya. Food. Change. Welcome to the Slow Food Youth Network Podcast. Hello guys, this is Valentina Gritti from the Slow Food Youth Network. You're listening to the first episode of the Sfin podcast about food sovereignty in Mexico. I visited this amazing country last year and I took the opportunity to interview some people from the local Slow Food Youth Network to hear their perspective regarding the topic of food sovereignty. The podcast is divided in three episodes. In the first one, we will get some insights from the basis of the food chain, so from the producers. In particular, we will listen to the interview of Alma Rosa, the responsible person for the Slow Food Presidium of Chontalpa Cacao, and of Santiago, known by everyone as Santi, or the guru of Svin, Mexico, who is an agroecological farmer in Veracruz. The second episode will have a political and anthropological focus, with the inputs of Vini Cure and Larissa Aquino, Two Slow Food Youth Network leaders, the first one in Oaxaca, the heart of Mexican gastronomy, and the latter in Chiapas. In the last episode, we will listen to three enlightened chefs that, with their work, they focus on supporting local production and seasonality. I'm talking about Claudia Ruizanti, Armando Cajero, and Isaac Diaz. But now, let's stop here with the explanation and let's start with the first episode. Enjoy listening! Hello everyone, so I'm here in Mexico City and I am in the Mercado El Cien uh, and now I'm gonna do an interview to uh, Alma Rosa that is working for the um, Slow Food Prestigia of the Cacao of Chontalpa. Hello Alma Rosa, can you say something about yourself? Bueno, yo soy Alma Rosa Garcés eh, Medina, eh, soy mexicana. I am Alma Rosa Garcés Medina. I am Mexican and I studied biology at the Universidad Autónoma de México. I have been working with cacao for almost 30 years. This started as I visited the southwest of Mexico and I got to know the cacao plantations and there I fell in love with the fields, the transformation and the whole world of chocolate. When I got to know the cacao producers, I understood the importance of quality, of good taste, starting for the trees. Then, together with the farmers, we started to transform chocolate near the fields, and after 2008, we established a transformation plant in Mexico City. Now, we have more than 150 products originating from the cacao in Tabasco. Y ahora pues tenemos más de 150 productos transformados a partir del cacao de, de Tabasco. Okay, thank you Alma. And could you say something about the uh, Slow Food Presidia? How does it work? El Presidio de Slow Food eh, nace en 2008. The Slow Food Presidium was born in 2008. It was after the big flood in 2007 where the project risked to stop and so Slow Food decided to help us by supporting the activities that we had already started and by nominating it 
Presidium of the Cacao of Chontalpa. The project itself started in the 90s. In that period we had a lot of cooperatives, more than 10. We used to have about 1,700 hectares with organic certification and more than 3,000 farmers. After the start of the Presidium we selected the farmers with profiles that were in line with its principles, in particular the elder farmers that had inherited their knowledge from their families and that had therefore a strong connection with their families. And we selected only the people that could really commit themselves to the project, that were responsible, honest and transparent to be the farmers of the cacao of Presidium quality. And Alma Rosa, what do you think about food sovereignty? I think it's the biggest challenge that we have to face for our future and our subsistence. Having food sovereignty implicates respect, work, commitment. But not only from the producer side, but from the whole community around him. So politicians, consumers and producers. And I also think that something that everyone all over the world is lacking is education as well as information. If we don't know what we are trying to preserve and what its future could be, we will be far away from working together towards a better future for the next generations. I think this is a big challenge because people, they buy a lot of things and look for things by following their wrong information. Therefore, I think the role of the producer is also to transmit the correct information. And I think that if we are interested and informed, we will be able to defend our food, our seeds and our traditional cuisine. And this could be the basis that we will leave to the next generations. La base de lo que estaremos dejando para la gente que viene después. And Almaraza, how is uh, the Baluarte, the Slow Food Presidio, dealing with food sovereignty? Well, we do what we are supposed to. The tropical region is one with the richest range of vegetables on earth. The biodiversity in that environment is primordial. So what we do is what they taught us to do, preserve nature, make use of it in a rational way and make other people aware of that. In this case, we are informing people about the beneficial properties of cacao and about the fact that everything that Mexico has, such as nature, biodiversity, we have to preserve it because it's not only part of our future, but also part of Mexican identity. So what we can promote as Presidium is the preservation of these areas and their biodiversity, as well as of the knowledge related with it and the rational management of the resources. And can you say something about the difference between the producers uh, of the Presidia compared to the other cacao farmers in the same area? La instrucción, acompañamiento que se hace con los productores de cacao que conforman el Baluarte. The producers that are part of the Presidium go through a complete formative process and they are supported by Slow Food. They are not only taught to make a high quality cacao, but what happens is that we gather the knowledge and we apply to the cacao production. 
Now I think it's very important to tell them, you can do what you want with your cacao. If you want it, we can bring it to one of those big industries of transformation of cacao. I mean, they have the autonomy, the right to know their possibilities and to decide what to do with their cacao, if they want to have a better price or not, whatever, but it has to be their own decision. This, I think, is the biggest difference between the producers of the Presidium of Chontalpa Cacao and all the other producers. And at this point, they are the ones that say, yes, I want to do this, yes, I want to teach it to my children, yes, I want to collaborate with you. And all of this is done with sovereignty over the whole process. This is extremely important because it represents the real difference between being at the disposal of a coyote which means a dealer or choosing to produce a cacao of higher quality with the power of choice to do so. Muchísimas gracias. Almaraza really knows a lot about product valorization and she definitely had the point in stressing out the fact that it is important to educate people to appreciate and consume local food and teach them to recognize its quality. When people feel proud of the products from their country and understand that they taste better than the imported ones, they will for sure increase their consumption. Well, now let's drive all the way south to Veracruz to meet the next star of the podcast. Hello from Martin 14, the agroecological farm of our next special guest, Santiago Aguilar Zilli. Santi is the coolest farmer I've ever met. If you think I'm exaggerating, just have a look at his Instagram profile. It's called Santiago. He's the owner of this awesome farm in Veracruz, where he experiments different varieties of veggies and he has a direct connection with his clients. He also likes transforming its products by fermenting them and doing all sorts of preparations. He also created a homemade lip balm with chamomile and bee wax. This morning he went to meet another farmer in Cholula to exchange seeds with the guy. This is an extremely important form of food sovereignty, the right to keep, to choose and exchange seeds. But now let's listen to Santiago's words. Hello Santiago. Hello everyone. Can you tell us what is the first word that comes to your mind if I tell you food sovereignty? Um, it's a choice for me. Um, it's, it's the right uh, to choose your own food and how that food is grown. Okay, interesting. And so what is food sovereignty for you? Can you tell us something more about this? Yeah, so... For me as a farmer, in a practical way, um, food sovereignty is when my clients ask me to grow something for them. So they are choosing what they want to eat, but they maybe don't have a garden or a farm to grow their own food. So um, food sovereignty in the local food movement, it's a great tool. Or maybe the local food movement is like the, 
the tool that food sovereignty can use to happen, to make it possible, uh, the choices of people of how of what they want to eat and how they want to that food to be grown. Uh, so for me as a farmer, uh, sometimes I'm asked by my clients like we want to eat something. Why don't you grow any kind of vegetable for us or restaurants or some chefs? So. Uh, like knowing the farmer, uh, I think it's a great possibility to make that decision possible. And that's for me, like in a practical way, how food sovereignty can be possible. Like using the local food move movement and knowing the farmers, uh, I think it's the, the best way to, to make uh, food sovereignty possible. And um, maybe can you tell us something about your farm, uh, how, how it is when, it, when you started and yeah, something Yeah, like so now I started three years ago. I'm an agroecological farmer. I used to grow veggies, uh, vegetables and some herbs, edible flowers. Uh, so uh, I started this idea during the university, I took uh, some agroecology classes and then I started to uh, my own vegetable garden. And when I finished the college, I chose to make a business with, with that garden. So it was a greenhouse that was abandoned uh, five years ago and during my agroecological classes I started to grow inside that greenhouse and so when I finished uh, the university I already had a space to grow vegetables and I started to sell that, those vegetables in social media as Facebook. I was posting, you know, I have lettuces today uh, who wants uh, vegetables and after that, the business started to took form and now I use WhatsApp uh, as my media to communicate with my clients. So I now send a message to my clients twice a, a week and they ask me uh, the order. So I start picking and harvesting the produce my clients want to uh, to have. And I also do my own, the deliveries in my car. Uh, I have like three different points in three different cities nearby my city uh, where my clients can go and pick the, the order they told to me. Uh, so that's how my project works. Uh, how my project works and uh, well it was it is a great opportunity for learning how nature works uh, and how you can use nature to produce food and how you can also be linked with your clients and how people know you and it was also a great tool to know my own community and people around me in my city. Uh, 
So also a, it was a great opportunity for me and this project is working because in my region is a tropical one in Veracruz in the southeast region of Mexico, really close. It's in a mountain, but really close to the ocean. So we have a lot of humidity and it's a tropical region. So a lot of people grow uh, sugar cane and coffee. So I'm like the weird guy uh, mm -hmm. trying to grow some vegetables and things that nobody is growing now in my region. So it, it, this project was also a great opportunity to be known as a entrepreneur and also a young man trying to farm and to have a sustainable project in the region where nobody's suffering this kind of produce. So I'm also very proud of my job and what it become to me and it's very significant to me uh, doing this and also bringing these concepts of food sovereignty. It, it also started to remind me why I'm doing this uh, and that is a, a job with an objective more than just producing food. It's beyond that and also being ecological sound and growing something healthy for people and healthy for the environment and also healthy for our local economy. So that's why I'm doing this and I'm very grateful about this job that I created. When you plan something, um, do you always listen to what your consumers want or do you also experiment new things, new varieties, well, new in the sense of like uh, really traditional or maybe something that is out of the common market and you try to suggest them to try this? Yeah, so when I started I used to grow uh, new things, different varieties that they were not known at all as kale and kohlrabi and different kind of vegetables that are not known in my culture in central Veracruz. So I learned that people don't know that kind of veggies and they don't know how to eat them, how to cook them. So I, uh, I decided not to grow these kind of vegetables anymore. I have some, like for my own pleasure, <laughs> uh, but no more for my customers because they don't know how to use them. And I started to grow what they used to eat and that's how food sovereignty works. It's, it's working because now I can sell them what they used to eat. But I also, I, I mean, if I wasn't growing cucumbers, uh, I started to grow cucumbers, but not the common cucumber. It's another kind of cucumber. So I'm offering cucumber, but a dif differentiated one. Also with tomatoes and lettuces and with all my veggies, I like to grow different varieties but same species so people can have that produce but in a different way and that's also a kind of signature for me so people can have the uh, security that I'm not like buying that produce somewhere and just selling them I, I mean they can be sure I'm growing those veggies because they cannot have them 
anywhere uh, in my region. But now I'm starting, I mean, every time I'm uh, listening more to my customers of what they want, so I can grow those produce for them. But also, but always with a different kind of uh, signature. Your <laughs> special style, yeah, let's yeah. say. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Here in Mexico is not so easy to get seeds, some kind of seeds. So knowing another farmers, uh, it's a great way to make this exchange of seeds and also knowledge and experiences and methods and techniques and how their business is running. And seeds are also a great uh, or a big issue in food sovereignty not using like this industrial seeds is a way to choose how you want to grow and also to rescue uh, varieties that are locally used for centuries and not to let that those varieties lost um, so exchanging seeds with another farmers uh, it's a great way to continue expanding all of this uh, knowledge and varieties and genes that are in our seeds. So yeah, for sure I, I think that exchanging seeds with another farmers is a way of make food sovereignty possible. And um, you're also part of the Slow Food Convivio of Cordoba and you're a part of Spain as well. And how do you see uh, the impact of slow foods in your region for your work and also for food sovereignty? I'm very thankful about slow food and all the people and new friends uh, slow food brought to me. And for my job, I think that uh, it's a way of having like a background, like a support. Uh, theoretical, philosophical uh, support of what I am doing. I, I'm not alone uh, doing this kind of job. There are a lot of farmers and a lot of chefs and a lot of people uh, linked, linked to food, a different food, a real food, uh, slow food. Uh, mm -hmm. And I love that about slow food, like all the network. Uh, you can be supported by, um, so you can, like, you can be relaxed <laughs> because you know there are another people doing this kind of work uh, and that you're not alone uh, and then they are also fighters and they want to make a difference in the food world uh, and how people eat and how food is produced. Uh, so. Slow food for my work is this kind of background. Also, growing like native species, like I try to grow a kind of pepper that is unique from my region. Uh, it's the Coma Peño pepper. It's a little chili pepper. Uh, you can dry it, and we used to make a salsa matcha, which is a fried chiles uh, or peppers and then you blend it with uh, 
peanuts and we used as a spice for food. So also knowing that slow food is interested in those kind of ingredients that are unique from some places and they have a lot of historical use and background um, and they are native from the central mountains of Veracruz. Uh, That's another kind of support that slow food brings to me, knowing I, I can grow ingredients that are important for my region because they are unique. Uh, nice. <laughs> and one last question that yeah. I would like to make to you is um, if you would like to share something with the uh, Slow Food Youth Network. Yeah, I think that as uh, youth, maybe we don't have the time or the enough money to invest in our food, <laughs> but Uh, try to buy locally, try to know uh, your local farmers, try to meet them, try to visit their farms and knowing all the context of the food they are growing and how they grow it. Uh, every time I uh, have visitors and young ones, I get very inspired about the energy they deposit in my project and how uh, I think sometimes we normalize things like I am a farmer, I, I do this every week and it's almost every, uh, every year the same kind of activities but having new people like fresh ones in their farm is very refreshing mm-hmm. uh, and you you receive like a message of what you are doing is important so bring that uh, confidence to your farmers that they are doing something great and acknowledge uh, their work and because working with the land and growing food is not easy uh, they are very a lot of inconvenience climate uh, pests Uh, also economically as a business is not a sometimes is not a a good one so uh, try to try to eat local uh, try to buy local and try to support your local farmers I think it's my advice for nice. for the youth networking <laughs> great farmers are the key for food sovereignty <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> thank you so much Santiago ah, thank you Valentina Santiago, an essential part of food sovereignty is that consumers get to know their farmers and that they establish with them a relationship. He pointed out the importance of seed exchanges among farmers and of growing many different crops and varieties to maintain biodiversity. We have 
come to the conclusion of the first episode of the Spin podcast Food Sovereignty in Mexico. In this episode, we have listened to the interviews of Alma Rosa, President Coordinator of the Chontalpa Cacao, and Santiago, the young agroecological farmer. Key lessons to take home for this episode are, first of all, the importance of education to promote the consumption of local foods, and then the freedom for farmers to choose the varieties that they want to grow and to exchange and keep their own seeds. It's also important that consumers get to know their farmers and that they establish with them a relationship. Food sovereignty is the right to have access to your local traditional food, to a biodiversity and healthy meal, its knowledge and education, as well as a political choice against the corporate-driven food system. Food sovereignty is the right to a type of food that tastes good because it's fresh, it's local and nutritious. If you like this podcast, share it with your friends and remember to follow the Slow Food Youth Network on our social media.